Hello, everybody. My name is Ray. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Today, we're going to be sending the Gospel Coalition to horny jail. This is not the video I'd ever thought I'd have to make, but we're going to have fun just shaming the Gospel Coalition and sending them to horny jail. If you're unfamiliar with horny jail, that is an online meme about people getting a little too thirsty in the comments section. And that, you know, and they get bonked and they get sent to horny jail for being too thirsty. Uh, so that is what is going on with the Gospel Coalition here. This is the Keller Center's, uh, I guess the first line of articles that the Keller Center has put out on the Gospel Coalition's website. And it's written by Josh Butler. And we're going to send him the horny jail right here. But first, Evangelical Dark Web is a Christian news gathering and commentary ministry. So we have a website at evangelicaldarkweb.org. There's more content at the website and a free newsletter you can sign up for as well. So you definitely want to check that out. That's the, the article on there is the uh, transgenderism line of demarcation article. That was a little too hot to make a video on. Uh, and then we got evangelicaldarkweb.org slash join. This is our Patreon-like system that you can support us at and get even more access content and help direct the direction of the research of Evangelical Dark Web. And we thank you for all who are supporting us, and we will continue to good work, do good work. So, the Keller Center has published this article, Sex Won't Save You, but it points to the one who will. This is written by Josh Butler, who I assume is a Keller Center fellow. And, you know, again, this is under their Keller Center part. We're going to read the whole article. I used to look, for, look to sex for salvation. I wanted it to liberate me from loneliness. I wanted to find freedom in the arms of another. But the search failed. My college sweetheart dumped me. I found a rebound to better or feel better about myself and hurt her in the process. I then fell head, head over heels for the girl of my dreams at the time and spent the next five years pining after this friend who didn't feel the same. Ouch, bro. Ouch, town population. You... Because uh, it hurts being in the friend zone. I've been there. I've done that. And I never went back to the friend zone. And that's part of why, you know, I'm married uh, this day. Because you don't accept friend zone for an answer. That's bad. Don't do that. Um, but already we get a little... I, I can sense the horniness here. Just saying. I wanted to feel wanted. Yet I wound up alone. Our culture looks for sex for salvation too. We want romance to feel, uh, we want romance to free us from solitary confinement to deliver us into a welcomed a welcome embrace. But idolizing sex results in slavery. You can chart up your long list of ex lovers and join Taylor Swift in telling the newest applicant, "I got a blank space, baby." And I'll write your name. Okay. We, I got to pause right there. Uh, because that was a very gay reference that Josh made. You're a grown man. He's presumably older than me. Quoting a Taylor Swift song. Long after Taylor Swift stopped making good music. Uh, this isn't 2012 Taylor Swift. This is 2015 Taylor Swift. Or maybe 2016. Yeah, bad reference. 
you you can end up in the Egypt of a new romantic wasteland, more cynical and isolated than when you first began. Yet I discovered a crucial corrective in the gospel that can lead us out into true freedom. Sex wasn't designed to be your salvation, but to point you to the one who is. So, he's going to teach us about sex here. Union with Christ is this uh, subheader here. Sex is an icon of Christ and the church. In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 31 through 32, a Hall of Fame marriage passage, the Apostle Paul proclaims, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. And he wants to uh, make note that he translated proskoleo as cleave. Uh, now, the context here is marriage. Leave and cleave is marriage language. And the surrounding verses are all about husbands and wives, not hookup culture. Yet the second part, about the two becoming one flesh, is consummation language that refers to the union of husband and wife. Paul says both are about Christ and the church. This should be shocking. It is not only giving, it is not only the giving of your vows at the altar, but what happens in the honeymoon suite afterwards that speaks to the life that you were made for with God. A husband and wife's life of faithful love is designed to point to greater things, but so is their sexual union, and that's in italics, and ends with an exclamation point. This is a gospel bombshell. Sex is an icon of salvation. How? I suggest the language of generosity and hospitality can help us out. I hope so. Generosity and hospitality are both embodied in the sexual act. Think about it. Generosity involves giving extravagantly to someone. You give the best you've got to give, lavishly pouring out your time, energy, and money. At a deeper level, generosity is giving not just your resources, but your very self. And what deeper form of self-giving is there than, the, than sexual union where the husband pours out his very presence not only upon, but within his wife? That is hard to read with a straight face, I'm not going to lie. Hospitality, on the other hand, involves receiving the life of the other. You prepare a space for the guest to enter your home, welcomingly, welcoming him warmly into your circle of intimacy to share your dwelling place with you. Here again, what deeper form of hospitality is there than sexual union where the wife welcomes her husband into the sanctuary of her very self? Giving and receiving are at the heart of sex. Obviously, a man and woman both give to each other and receive from each other in sexual act. Sex is mutually self-giving, yet on closer inspection, there is a distinction between the male and female sides of the equation. Wow, that is hard to read with a straight face. Very difficult to read with a straight face. 
The Bible makes its distinction explicit. The most frequent Hebrew phrase for sex is literally, he went into her. Translations often soften this for modern ears, saying he made love to her or they slept together. Do they really? That, that's news to me because I read the Naz of 95 like a nerd. And it most often says, went into. He, husband, whatever, went into wife, concubine, woman. Uh, Genesis 4.1 is a euphemism. So, he's right about that. This is a point that is well taken, well received. The Bible does not use euphemisms most often. It uses literal, direct, wooden language most often. But the Bible is less prudish than we are, using more graphic language to describe what happens in the honeymoon tent. And I don't I don't think it's more graphic, though. It, it's very literal, like, you know, this guy went inside that woman. That's pretty literal, but it's not super graphic as the paragraph that I could that it took me several tries to read with a straight face. That was way more graphic and it actually this article is way more graphic actually. On Sunday morning, I can I learned how graphic this language can be. My friend Karen, a fortunate name, was publicly reading scripture for our church service and we switched to a more literal Bible translation, we were in Genesis 29, where Jacob marries Leah and Rachel, and the Wayabu Eleha shows up, we discovered, a lot. Karen has, you might say, a rated G personality, very prim, proper, polite, very much a Karen stereotype in some respects. We all saw her cheeks turn bright red with a lot of awkward pauses, as she had to continually read the phrase, and Jacob went into her, over and over again. After that Sunday, we went back to a less wooden translation and laughed a lot with poor Karen, not at, because that might be bullying. Okay, next section. Sexual union pictures the gospel. The Hebrew language is onto something. However, there is a distinction between male and female roles in sexual union. Each brings something unique to the fusing of two bodies as one, and this distinction is iconic. You don't say. On that honeymoon in Cabo, the groom goes into his bride. He not only with he's he is not only with his beloved but within his beloved, he enters the sanctuary of his spouse, where he pours out his deepest presence and bestows an offering, a gift, a sign of pilgrimage that has the potential to grow within her into new life. This is a picture of the gospel. Christ arrives in salvation to not only be with his church, but within his church. Christ gives himself to his beloved with extravagant generosity, showering his love upon and imparting his very presence within us. Christ penetrates his church with the generative seed of his word and the life-giving presence of his spirit, which takes root within her and grows 
to bring new life into this world. Now, interestingly enough, I'm not unfamiliar with the Holy Spirit being used or pregnancy being used as a metaphor for the Holy Spirit growing within us. That over time, we show more, like a pregnant woman shows more. That new self in us shows more over time, like a pregnant woman. I don't think this is as blasphemous of a comparison as some other people do. I think it's graphic. I think Josh Butler needs to go to horny jail. But I'm not, you know, offended by it. I'm not offended by this yet. But he does need to go to horny jail. Inversely, back in the wedding suite, the bride embraces her most intimate guest on the threshold of her dwelling place and welcomes him into the sanctuary of her very self. She gladly receives the warmth of his presence and accepts the sacrificial offering he bestows upon the altar within her most holy place, the Holy of Holies. I've heard that euphemism before. Uh, similarly, the church embraces Christ in salvation, celebrating the arrival with joy and delight. She is prepared and made herself ready, anticipating his advent in eager anticipation. She welcomes him. Uh, she, uh, res- let's see. She welcomes him into the most vulnerable place of her being, lavish herself upon him with extra extravagant hospitality. She receives his generous gift within her, the seed of his word and the presence of his spirit, partnering with him to bring the chil- bring children of God into the world. Their union brings forth new creation. Now, marriage is, and you know, so a teaching moment here. Marriage is a metaphor for Christ and the church. That is, is, this is one of the purposes of marriage. It is supposed to point to Christ and his church. Um, But in marriage, both Christ and the church play the Jesus role. Uh, Jesus, obviously, is the husband in this metaphor. Or the husband is the Jesus in the metaphor of marriage. uh, Who's supposed to love his church uh, died for the church, lay down his or lay, lay down his life for the church, uh, and provide, protect, and do all the good things a husband's supposed to do. And the wife also plays the Jesus role, in that Jesus submits to the Father. So too does the wife submit to the husband. They both play the Jesus role. This is ironically a teaching of Tim Keller, that I'm giving. So, you know. Credit where credit is due. He didn't write a terrible marriage book. A decent one, in fact. Uh, But this language, pretty graphic. Is he trying to be salacious? Risque? I think the answer is yes. I think the answer is yes. And uh, Josh Butler totally got uh, this article ratioed on Twitter. There's a lot of Twitter backlash against this article. I don't think this is an overly offensive metaphor. I think uh, he was having a lot of fun writing this metaphor or this in uh, the fact that he talks about how the Bible, you know, uses wooden language 
you know, does not use euphemisms, but he uses a lot of euphemisms to explain this metaphor. I think it's a little bit of a disconnect, a little bit of irony. You don't say, I think this article is hilarious. Maybe I'm just childish. Maybe I'm just childish. I, I, I had to edit this video because I, I couldn't read this with a straight face. So maybe I'm childish. Let me know if I'm childish or let me know if you laughed reading this. But either way, bonk. We're going to bonk Josh Butler. We're going to bonk him. Send him to horny jail. He's not going to get a long sentence. Uh, we're going to forgive him for his crimes of horniness on display. And we're going to hopefully expect better. But honestly, we're going to expect more cringe out of the Gospel Coalition and the Keller Center. So thank you all very much. Uh, let me know what you think about what I think. And don't forget to like the video and also subscribe to the channel if you are new. Uh, my name is Ray. This is the Evangelical Dark Web. And if you like this kind of content, subscribe. And if you too have gone to horny jail and need to repent and follow Christ, sex points to the gospel. All right. Have a blessed day and I'll catch you on the next one.